Thanks for checking out the Revival Tabernacle podcast today. If this is your first time joining us, we want to thank you for tuning in. Wherever you may be listening from, we hope this message encourages you in Christ our Savior. Please enjoy this message from the RT pulpit. No matter how bad it gets, it's not really that bad. And you can always find something to give God thanks for. You can always find something to get. See, somebody over here caught it. You can always find something to lift your hand and say, I may not be where I want to be, but I'm sure not where I used to be. And I just got to take a pause for the cause and say, Lord, I thank you. Anybody in here want to just take a pause for a moment and lift up your hand, open up your mouth and say, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for my life. I thank you for my health. I thank you for my strength. I thank you, God, because I know where I could have been, but you saw fit for your grace and your mercy not to leave me in my sin but you pick me up and you turn my life around and God I'm thankful today God I'm thankful today thank you for my family thank you for my children oh God thank you oh God for my friends in my life thank you for my church family God thank you for your word thank you for worship thank you for praise and as a matter of fact your praise will continually be on my mouth oh magnify the Lord with me and let's exalt his name together I need about 15 more people that won't mind hollering out unto God with the voice of triumph because you remember how messed up you used to be and you remember how down you were but thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in him he lifts me up and he builds me up I'll wait on the Lord and I'll be of good courage why because I know that he will strengthen my heart come on somebody give God some praise in this place today Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Let me tell you something. He'll keep your mind. He will keep your mind because see what the enemy tries to do. The enemy tries to, and sometimes he tries to get into our head. And he tries to make us fear and tries to make us believe that God is not with us. But let me tell you something. The devil is a liar and the father of all lies. And let me tell you something. Just like Brother Rodney declared, God is a very present help. And if you need him, all he said you have to do is just call on him and he will be right there with you. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to your name, Jesus. So I thank him for those moments when I get knocked down because he's showing me that I got the strength to get back up again. (laughs) Hallelujah. And even when I feel like I don't have the strength, he'll send a brother right next to me or he'll send a sister right next to you and they'll, they'll help you lift yourself up. And say, you know what, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I'm going to be with you because the Bible says, Lo, I'm with you always, even till the end. All right, let me get into this message. Yeah. <laughs> Book of Ephesians, chapter 4. 
Mission impossible. Mission is possible. Lord, listen, you see, you hear that? Mission is possible. This is part two of our message, um, of our of our series here. Uh, we're in week two of the vision and mission series entitled "Mission Is Possible," and uh, last week we revealed um, what what the official vision and mission. Is for Revival Tabernacle Church, which, by the way, if you were not here last week and you would like the CD, we're making this entire month, this entire month, the CDs from this series are absolutely free. So if you need a CD and you want to hear it, if, you, if you're not technologically savvy and you don't want to, you, you don't, it's hard for you to get online and get the podcast that's for free and whatnot, you can go and see Sister Kathy. We want everybody to get this word so we all can be on the same page speaking the same language. Amen? Amen. So you can see Sister Kathy Forsyth in the booth and she will make sure that you get um, uh, the entire uh, series of Mission Is Possible. This is important for us as we move forward together as a church family. Somebody say together. And, and, and you know that you can always go to RevivalTab.org and hear any of the sermons that we've preached over uh, this year. Um, so I don't know, uh, Daniel, can, go to, um, who's that back there? Zach, I'm sorry, Zach, uh, go to the slide where it has the vision. I'll slip over here to the side just so that we can all be in alignment with what we're looking at and seeing. So here, here we are again through our multicultural, multi-generational approach to God's word, worship, and relationships. Revival Tabernacle will touch and transform millions of lives with the unwavering, unconditional love of what? Or of who? Jesus Christ. Amen. And the, and, and, and the means by which we are going to accomplish this is through our mission. The mission of Revival Tabernacles of Revival Tabernacle Church is very simple, and that is the next slide, Zach. Simply to reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Come on, say that with me. Reach sinners, raise believers, release leaders. Come on, let's say it one more time. Reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Now listen to me good. The vision is what we're aiming for. The mission is how we're going to get there. This is how we're going to get to where God wants to take us as a church body. Amen. We spent the majority of our time together last week discussing our role as believers and how important it is uh, for each and every one of us to reach sinners and souls. And I'm sorry, to reach sinners and win souls for the kingdom of God. Why? Because we recognize that what? Souls saved are God's number one passion and only motivation. God desires, he says, I wish above all things that you would be uh, uh, reconciled back unto me. How many have, have, how many are committed to making witnessing and, and leading people to the Lord a priority in your life? Let me see a show of hands. Come on, all over this place. Listen, this needs to be our, our primary focus every single day that we wake up, we need to be about our Father's business. Amen? This is our Father's business. But today, we're going to park at the next stop of the mission, which is raise believers, to raise believers. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to start at verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and um, I'll be reading from the NIV version, and let's just see what the Lord is saying to us today. Amen? Amen. That wasn't too good of an amen. Let's say amen. amen. 
Amen. Stay with me. I promise I won't be long. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service hmm. so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Somebody say mature. And become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature, somebody say mature, the mature body of him who is the head, that is, next slide, Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows, watch this, and builds itself up in love as each part does its work, as each part does its work. Look at somebody and say, we got work to do. <clears throat> so let me give you the big statement or the big idea here. Uh, if we are going to build a great church, then we have to get used to this idea of this. Growing people change. Growing people change. Um, I was looking at myself in the mirror the other day. And then I was looking at a picture of myself from years ago. And I said to myself, oh my, how you've grown. <laughs> how you have changed, Devin Scott Goff. Growing people change. But have you ever... Uh, run into someone that maybe you haven't seen in some years and after several moments of uh, conversing with them, uh, you just blurt out, boy, you ain't changed not one bit. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever experienced that? You haven't changed not one bit. I mean, uh, they, they, they still telling the same immature, inappropriate jokes. They still laughing at stuff that's not funny. They're still gawking at everything that, that, that has a skirt on. They still uh, use these trendy buzzwords from 20 years ago like, word up. <laughs> oh, man, that's fresh. Nobody's talking like that. Or, or, you know, talk to the hand. I mean, nobody's saying that stuff anymore. Or even, homie, don't play that. Now, that show been off the air for I don't know how long, and you're still talking People, some people just don't change. And, and I mean, you discover simply by their conversation, simply by the words that they speak, that they really haven't grown at all. Every believer, listen to me good, should never stop growing. Let me say this again. Every believer, it doesn't matter how old you are, 
how long you've been in the faith, you should never get to a point where you feel like you can stop growing or that you've already arrived. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved, how long, how much you know about Jesus. The more you learn and discover about God, the more it, that should prompt you to want to be like God. And the more you want and desire to be like God, the more, my brothers and sisters, you will have to change. Somebody say change. And see, we live in the constant process of change. We live in the constant process of change. Over this last year, and that God has blessed Courtney and I to, to uh, 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 Reagan is, is a little over 15, 16 months now. And I mean, she has grown and changed almost every single week. She's, she's changing. She's morphing into another human being that I don't know who she is. Like, where did you get that from? What are you doing? And she just, she walks now and like she does this thing with her arm. I call it the chicken wing. It's like she's walking and she's doing this thing. I don't know if it's helping her balance or what, but she just gets all excited and just starts moving like this. And everything she's doing, it's changing. It's evolving. We as a church are changing and evolving. We are not the same church that we were a year ago this time. And thanks be unto God for that. Over the past year, I mean, you know, and you know what this has taught me? It has taught me this very important principle, and that is don't get comfortable in the now. We can never get comfortable in the now. You know why? Because let me tell you something. What is today is not going to be that tomorrow. Things will change. Let me encourage somebody. If things are bad right now, don't give up because guess what? It's going to change. It's going to get better. Look at somebody and say, it's going to get better. So you must understand that things will change. You cannot get comfortable with the now. Let me tell you something. God created us and this world to be constantly changing. He created us with change in the process. It's a process in time of maturity. Our spiritual lives, my brothers and sisters, are no different. Our spiritual lives are no different. And let me tell you something, this church is no different. Every person and every organization is changing this very moment. You are changing spiritually one way or another. You have the control to some extent of choice. Our congregation is changing. I believe that I believe that even the next three months of our church are very, very critical. Are very, very critical. Because even though we started this year strong, God wants us to finish strong. We in the church, and we're in this church to build. People. We are in the people building business. We are in the church or the temple building business. Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3 and 16, I believe we have that here. It says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Look at this next uh, passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 through 20. Let's look at this. Um, Go to the next one. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you have received of God? Watch this. You are not your own, but you were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. 
And then even as we look here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16, we have to understand this. As an assembly of God's people united together, we are in, we are in the ever-changing process of building God's temple or his dwelling place right here in this community. Our aim as a church is, is becoming Jesus in this neighborhood. We want, to become a, we want to become a physical representation of Jesus Christ in this community. And as individual Christians, we are in the ever-changing process of submitting our bodies as temples of God's Spirit and doing our part in the body. And we're going to talk about that today. Now, if our commitment, listen to me good, if our commitment is, or, or, or as a church, is to raise believers, watch me good, then your commitment as members of the church is to grow. If our commitment as a church, we're saying we are committed to raising believers. Let me tell you something. Your commitment as members of this church is, is a commitment to grow. You have to want to grow. You have to want to uh, experience the, the growth process. If you have a commitment to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Son of God, then we are committed to doing all that we can to raise you up strong as a believer in the faith. We're committed to doing all that we can to make sure that we do that. So first, let's talk about what commitment to growth looks like. And then we'll discuss what our commitment to raising you up looks like. The first thing that I think we need to really grasp is our commitment to growth. If we really want to have a commitment to growth, there needs to be a dissatisfaction with the status quo. There needs to be a dissatisfaction with the status quo. What do you mean? Now, don't get this confused with uh, contentment in the world concerning material things. Uh, you know, Paul says in Philippians 4, 11 through 13, he says, I'm not saying this because uh, I'm in need, for I have learned to be content. He says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in, 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 and every, in, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. Then he goes on to say what we are all, we're all familiar with. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can do all this through him that gives me strength. But we have to understand that that's not what we're talking about. Paul also even talks about in 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 8, he goes on to say this, and go to that slide, Zach. He says, but, but, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of this world. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. But now listen and watch this. Paul and spiritual discontentment, or spiritual discontent. Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, Paul, who, who, who uh, began to preach and, 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 and lives were changed. He was this spiritual giant. I mean, Paul, the apostle Paul, who, who, who most modern-day Christians look to as a perfect model of, of what it means to disciple and, and to challenge people in spiritual growth, he even says, I want to know Christ. All that he has attained and done, he has even said that I may know him. 
I just want to know him a little bit better than I did before. We must never be satisfied with our spiritual life or accomplishment of the mission. See, let me tell you something. We should never be satisfied with our prayer life. We should never be satisfied with our knowledge of Scripture. If you are, I heard somebody say this before, if you're the smartest person in your circle, guess what? You need a new circle. I was, I was in, we had a, a, a session yesterday, and it was several of, of, of ministers and preachers sitting around the table discussing scripture. And let me tell you something, I felt like the dumbest person in the room. I mean, I, I literally felt like, my goodness, I, 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 have, I need to go back and do my first works over again. Because, I mean, it was just like everything that was being said and brought out about Scripture, I'm like, man, how do you see that in this? I mean, all I see is what's being said, but they're able to bring out truths and, and, and nuggets about God's Word. And I left there saying, I need this. I need more of this in my life. Can I just tell you something? You all, you should always want to be in an environment where you're feeling challenged, where you're feeling like, man, leaving his presence made me want to be a better person. After leaving that person, they left me, made me want to be a better man, or be a better husband, be a better father. If you don't have those people in your life, and if all you have in your life are people that's always sucking from you or pulling from you or, 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 or leeching off of you, guess what? You need some more people in your life. You know, there's this, I, I, I don't even know who did it, but, but somebody was telling me about this, about this song, uh, you know, that, that, that this rapper put out talk, talk, talking about no new friends. That's the most absurd thing I've ever heard of in my life. I need more people. I need new people in my life. Why? Because if I continue relying on the same people, I'll always get where I've, where I've always been. But if I continue to pursue new relationships and pursue new godly people in my life, guess what? I'll begin to move forward and higher in the things of God. We can never be satisfied with our spiritual life or where we are right now. Discontentment in our spiritual life as well as the life of the church, they go hand in hand. Watch this. We should feel a burden for the lost. We should feel a burden for the hurting in this world. Go to Romans, Romans 9, verses 2 through 4. Let, let, let's go there real quick, Zach. Romans Watch this. It says, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. I mean, who, who talks like this? Who says stuff like this unless, unless there's a real burden in their heart? I mean, so much to the point to where they're hurting. And in, not just are they hurting, but it moves them to a place of action. It moves them to a point of wanting to do something. Time and time again in the Gospels, we heard Christ say time and time again, what would he always say? He was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. That word compassion, was like it, it was like it hit him in his gut what he would see and how he would uh, 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 recognize the state of this world or the state of the people around him. And he was moved to what? Action. 
not just moved to just uh, uh, move to be moved, but he was moved to do something. What are we doing as a people of God? What's moving us today? What's moving us today? First Timothy, let's go to First Timothy 2 and 4. Watch this. We're talking about God here. He says, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. There should be a burden, and, and our burden should really align itself with God's burden. God's burden is for people to be saved. He says, I want all men to be saved. Burdened by families who suffer and struggle with no help and no hope. I'm proud of, of our young people. You know, a few weeks ago, we called several of, 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 of our young people into a room. We had a roundtable discussion with them. And we asked them, I said, you know, what is it that, what is it that you like about ISM, Ignite Student Ministries? And what do you think we could be doing better? And we want to hear exactly from our young people. And it was amazing through that process. It was amazing that through that moment, through that roundtable discussion, I mean, they had so much to say. And they weren't just satisfied with, like, you know, wanting to play more video games. No, they was like, we want to witness in the community more. I mean, these are our teenagers, our 9th, 10th, 11th, I'm sorry, 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th graders. Talking about they want to witness for the Lord. They want to do more community service projects. They want to fellowship with other youth groups and with other believers. They said, we don't really want to play games so much on Wednesday night because video games become a distraction. This is what our young people are saying. So I'm proud of them for not settling and wanting to go after God more. I'm proud of people like Mark and Sherry Bryant who, now I know, and they lead up our marriage ministry, and I know you guys see, see the uh, marriage retreat that we have every year or the marriage tune-up that we do in the fall, but you never, ever, never, ever see all the back-end work that goes into making sure that marriages stay strong and healthy, that they're committed to doing time and time again all throughout this congregation. I'm proud of, 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 of our new ministry or kids ministry directors. Proud of Sister Candy Smith and Heidi Holder and Angel McCaplin looking for ways to improve how we minister to our children back there. And we're going to be getting out of, they, out of their space real soon so they can have children's church back. But let me tell you something. They've done amazing jobs with what it is that they have. Why? Because they're, they're, they're dissatisfied with the status quo. There are always areas for improvement. <laughs> let me say that again. There are always areas of improvement. How do you know? Well, millions of people stood in line across this country. Why? Because the new iPhone 7 came out. Not because the 6 was broke. Nothing wrong with the 6. But they made improvements. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. And see, so many of us, we take this mentality of, you know, well, ain't nothing wrong with it, so why are you trying to mess with it? You know what? And we take that same mentality in our marriages, 
and you are the only one thinking there ain't nothing wrong with it while your spouse is over there suffering. Like, I wish somebody would come and tell him that there's something wrong with this here. I'm coming your way. Don't worry. I'll be down your row in a minute. But we as Christians always need to be on the lookout for how can we improve ourselves spiritually? What can we do to get in our word more? What can we do for prayer? I don't, you know, I, I never prayed for an hour at a time. Well, I don't know what to pray for. Open up the Bible and pray the word. So in order for us to grow, not only must we have a dissatisfaction for the status quo, but I believe we also must have a commitment to change the things that need to be changed. There needs to be a commitment to change what, change what needs to be changed. And I think this, this commitment to change really speaks of the fact that sacrifice is a necessity. Sacrifice is a necessity. You will never get anywhere and you will never achieve the greatness of God without sacrifice. Sacrifice is a part of God's plan. What is sacrifice? Giving up something that you really, 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 really do love for the greater good. It's, it's giving up your water because he wants to give you wine. Even though you love that thing so much, it really is giving up the lesser for the greater. Even if you can't see the greater, you got to trust and believe that it is there and that he will give it. And so sacrifice, sacrifice is built into the salvation plan. As a matter of fact, John 3.16 says it best. He says that God so loved the world that he sacrificed his only son. That whoever believes in him, they won't perish, but they will have eternal life forever. We have to get to a place where we must understand that commitment to change what needs to be changed. There are things in our life that we know need to change, but we're so stinking lazy and we don't want to change because change requires work. I'm working now. Change requires work. It's not easy to fight through the flesh, especially when you've been dealing with this thing for so long. And now everything is starting to come to a head, and you don't know how to deal with it. You don't know what to do, but God is telling you, you know, you need to do something about it. It's time for you to give that up, and it's difficult for you to do so. Why? Because we don't like change. Change is tough. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5. If you're with me, shout amen. Well, that wasn't too good of a shout. Let me go ahead and go to another level. 2 Corinthians 8 and 5, let's go to it. Zach, it says, and they exceeded our expectation. Watch this. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. And then by the will of God also to us. There is something here they gave themselves. They gave themselves. They gave themselves. Let me ask you a question. 
What are you giving your life for? What are you giving your life for? What is it that keeps you up at night? What is it that causes you to lose sleep? What is it that stays on your mind even though you should be doing other things? This, this keeps invading your thought pattern. What are you giving your life for? Are you committed to seeing our youth make a revolutionary change in this generation? Are you committed to seeing sex trafficking end in our city? Are you committed to seeing lives change and transform by showing them the love of Jesus Christ? Are you committed? What are you living for? Or are you just existing? First John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17 says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires, guess what? They will pass away. But whoever does the will of God will live forever. What are you committed to? What are we committed to? Are you committed to losing weight? Are we committed to exercising daily? You know, maybe we're committed to saving for our kids' college fund. Maybe we're committed to finding a job. See, when you commit to something, you let nothing get in your way. And you see it on social media. Hashtag no days off, going to the gym. Hashtag, I'm tired of being fat. Hashtag, strive for greatness. But when are we going to start hashtagging, I'm winning a soul for Jesus today. I'm winning the loss today. I'm witnessing to somebody today. I'm one, I'm going to lead one to him. What are we committed to? And let me tell you something. There are no buts or ifs in commitment. There are no buts or ifs in commitment. Let me read to you this prayer of this old Nazarene evangelist. He he says, oh, Lord, give me a backbone as big as a saw log and ribs like the sleepers under the church floor. Put iron in my shoes, to put iron shoes on my feet and galvanize breaches in my body. Give me a, a rhinoceros hide for skin and hang up a wagon load of, uh, of determination in the gable end of my soul. Help me to sign the contract to fight the devil as long as I got a tooth. And even when my last tooth has fallen off, help me to gum him until I die. I mean, we have to have commitment like this, that no matter what it takes, I'm going to make sure I do it. It takes commitment to build the temple of God. 
That's why we're committed. We're not wavering. We're going to make sure that the house of God on the outside is beautified. We're going to make sure we take care of the things on the inside of the house of God. But you know what? It takes commitment. Why? Let me tell you how, how I know it takes commitment. Because, see, it's not like we have all the money up front to do everything that we have that, that we need to do. So we have to wait and kind of pull these things together bit by bit, piece by piece. And some of us don't like things to come along bit by bit and piece by piece. As a matter of fact, if it was your project, you would have given up a long time ago. That's why when we come to your house, some of your houses look like it's still undone because you ain't finished nothing because you can't stand to have patience for anything bit by bit and piece by piece. But let me tell you something. It takes time for anything that's worth building. And the things of God, let me tell you something, my brothers and sisters, are worth building. And we have to have a commitment for the things of God. We have to have a commitment for the things of God. We have to, be, we have, to have a commitment to grow spiritually. We have to have a commitment to grow God's temple and the people in the temple. And yes, it's going to take time, money. Sweat, blood, and tears. But let me tell you something, it's all worth it. And we have to get there. We have to get there. Look at somebody and say, we have to get there. We can't give up now. We can't give up now. In order for us to grow, not only must we have a dissatisfaction to the status quo, and not only must we keep the commitment that we've made, but finally I think we also must have a great faith to, in God to handle the impossible. We got to have great faith in God to handle the impossible. Because let me tell you something. We can't do this on our own. You know, we're working in corporate. There are things that we call deadlines. Meaning, by this date, this project has to be completed. I'm learning something as, as, as we transition in ministry, and that is uh, the project of people's lives never are completed. <laughs> Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Why? Because we will always need work done on us. I don't know about you, but I'm a work in progress every, I mean, I'm a mess all by myself. I don't need, I don't need help from nobody else being a mess. I'm a wreck all by myself. I would tell you, listen, I'm a, I told Courtney uh, a few months ago, I, I know I'm a mess. I know I'm a lot to deal with. I know it. And if y'all honest about yourselves, you know you a hot boiling mess too. And you just need to just admit to yourself and to those around you, listen, I got issues. I got problems. It's going to take a whole lot to deal with me. But if you stick it out with me, it's going to be greater later. Let me just tell you something. If you just stick it out with me, it's going to be greater later. But I know I'm a lot to deal with. I got issues. I know I do. Thank you, Lisa. I know I do. But you know what? As long as I stay 
on the potter's wheel. I understand something about the potter's wheel. If you, if you just understand that there is something to be said about what Jeremiah was trying to really get over to us. He says, you are the potter and I'm just the clay. And when he began to look at the work being done on the wheel, he began to see that the clay was always being shaped and fashioned by the hand of the potter. In other words, you ought to be excited. Even though you may look a mess, thank God that his hand stayed on your life. And the moment he kept shaping and forming and fashioning that piece of clay, sometimes he would have to go and dip his hand in some water and sprinkle some water on it. And, and let me tell you something, that's just like our blessings. See, sometimes we become stiff and stringent, and then God has to come in and just sprinkle his blessing upon us to cause us to remember that if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, we don't know where we would be. And then I'm thankful because as we begin to look at the potter, uh, we begin to see that his foot keeps going down and up, down and up, down and up. And see, it is his foot that keeps moving that causes the wheel to keep moving. And see, what it is that we have to understand is that as long as his foot is moving, the wheel keeps turning. As long as his foot is moving, the wheel keeps turning. Then I begin to ask myself, well, what gets God's foot to move? I don't know about you, but when, when, the, when the worship team is, is, is ministering and giving God some praise, I can't help but to pat my foot. I can't help but just to get, think about the fact that, man, I mean, this sounds good. And when I think about the fact of who it is that they're talking about, I can't help but to think how good it makes God feel when the praises go up. And he begins just to move his feet. I believe, I believe that as we continue to give God praise and send praise up, his feet begins to tap. And it's like that wheel continues to turn. And we keep getting molded and fashioned and shaped into the very thing that he wants us to be. Because when we give him praise and when we send praise up, his power comes down. His presence comes down. His blessing comes down. When we begin to give him glory and to give him praise, I don't know about you, but he inhabits habits to praises of his people. So if I need God in my situation, I need to offer up some praise. Can I get about 15 people over the next 15 seconds that don't mind God coming into this situation just to give God some praise? And I promise you, as you praise him, his foot will start moving up and down. That wheel will start turning and you'll begin to get shaped and fashioned a little bit more like Jesus. As you praise him, he continues to shape you. He continues to mold you just like him. And what it is that people may have thought about you and how good you may have looked, let me just tell you something. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about you. All that matters is that you become the direct image of what he has in his mind concerning you.
Faith believes in the impossible. Faith believes in the impossible. Heard the story about a preacher on an airplane. And the airplane began to hit some turbulence. And the preacher started getting afraid. And everybody in the plane was like, hey, preacher, you know, you said you was God's man of faith. And the preacher responds, he said, God says, low, I'd be with you always, not high. Can I tell you something? I'm thinking that I serve a God that's with me in the low times, and he's with me in the high times. It doesn't matter where I am. I can, the Bible says I can make my bed in hell, and you're there with me. I can ascend to the highest parts of the earth, and you're there with me. How many know that God is always with us? Romans chapter 4, verse 17. If you're with me, shout amen. I'm almost done. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. It says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. I love this part. Against all hope, Abraham in hope (laughs) believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Ah, Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. But was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Watch this. Being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credit to him as righteousness. Can I just tell you something? God is faithful to his word. And what he has promised to perform in your life, it is going to come to pass. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to try to figure it out. Let me tell you something. God is faithful to what he has promised. And it don't matter how bad it looks. It don't matter how bad it looks. God is faithful and he has the power to do what he has promised. I know it looks bad. I know it looks like things won't change. I know it looks like things are not going to get better for you. But let me tell you something. As long as you remain faithful to him, he will be faithful to you. How can you speak so confidently? Let me tell you something. I have my moments too. I have my moments too. 
when I question, God, what am I doing this for? Things aren't always easy. It's not always easy. Let me tell you something. God is faithful to his promises. And all I have to do is go back to this book. And if I can find one place where he said it, I know that he's going to do it. Let me just tell somebody here today, if you can just find one place, one promise where he said it in his word, you can always hold him to that. You can say, yeah, your honor, but in the case versus, versus this versus that, you did this, so I'm holding on to your word. I'm standing on to your word, and I believe that you're not a respecter of person, but the very thing that you did for her and the very thing that you did for him and what you did for them over there, God, I'm believing that you would do that thing for me. Being fully persuaded. (laughs) Fully persuaded. Old Testament examples of this. Look at this. Abraham and Sarah having a child at such an old age. Moses actually being used by God to set Israel free from Egypt. Red Sea. Water from a rock, the city of Jericho, David versus Goliath. We can go on and on and on. God is faithful to what he has promised. What will it look like, Revival Tabernacle, if we sought to touch the lives of people that we come in contact with every single day with what? Not our words, but with the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. What would it look like, Revival Tabernacle, if we all got on the same page and spoke the same language about reaching sinners, raising believers, and releasing leaders? What would it look like if we began to align our mentality and our thought process with the process of God, with the passion of God? Listen to what Jesus said. Zach, go down to the next one. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Oh, come on. Let's go down to the next one because he says it again in in another gospel. Go to the next one, Zach. He says in the book of Mark 9, 23, if you can, Jesus said, everything is possible for one who what? Believes. Go to the next one, Zach. Look at this one in the book of, uh, I think this is Matthew again. No, Mark, Mark 10, 27. Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Go down to the last one, Zach. Look at this in Luke 18 and 27. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had, had no clothes, but he lived in the tombs. Let me just tell 
tell you, Jesus replied to them, I'm sorry, that's the wrong one. It should be 18 and 27. Jesus replied that what is impossible with man is possible with God. Let me tell you something, my brothers and sisters. We have to have the mentality and the fortitude in our mind to know that God is able to do what he said he would do. And he is not a man. He is not like man. What he said, what he spoke, he will do. If he said it, he will make it good. God will fulfill his word. He will do just what he said. Somebody give God some praise in this place. Our community at Revival Tabernacle aims to reach our city with the life-changing message of Jesus. Thank you for your support. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at www.revivaltab.org. 